Welcome, everyone. What a great, beautiful fall day we had. I mean, after yesterday, can you believe? I mean, even yesterday was like night and day difference, right? Oh, my God. Did it, who enjoys the snow? Oh, our first snow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just absolutely beautiful. Now, is it true or not that every snowflake is individual and different? I've heard it's true, but then I heard somewhere that it's not true. And I thought, that messes up a whole lot of illustrations. I just, I'm going to choose to believe it's true. Okay. So shine's going with every snowflake is individual. Exactly. All right. So we've, we've just settled that. All right. It's fact. Shine believes it. It's true. <laughs> oh, wonderful. We have a few announcements to make here. Um, let's see. Next week, our beloved Allie will be gone. She won't be able to be here, and she comes early to help set up. So we carpool together, and we. So thank you, Allie, for being here so faithful and afterwards to set up. And I know some of y'all helped to set to reset things afterwards. So um, if any of you would be interested in coming at five thirty and helping to get these tables arranged and things set up. Would you please see Allie afterwards so we're not calling people to see if somebody or get my husband to come or whatever, you know. If it's in your heart, that would be great. We'd really appreciate it. Um, and this Saturday is going to be... Hi, Ruth. It's good to see you. <laughs> yeah. We love having you with us, Ruth. <laughs> um, this Saturday is C and D group training. And um, Jay and Jan will be doing the, uh, the one at 2.30 here at Chapel Hills Church for the C group, community group. And our church really, the, the C and the D group, these are the groups, the discipleship groups, the community groups. This is really where it happens. This is kind of like a community group here. And then in your tables are kind of like a D group. Um, there's more to a D group than what we do, but that it works really well. So you can really connect. So, um, how many are involved in community groups? How many are involved in D groups? I guess all of you, because you're here. <laughs> so, anyhow, we would love for you, if you're involved in a C group or D group, or if you want to lead one, then, then come. Feel free to come. It'll be here, 2.30 will be one, and then 2.45 will be the D group training. And Jay and Jan will do the C group training, and Steve will do the D group training. So... Um, that'll be a great time. And then the road, uh, Daughters of the King Christmas Tea will be December 2nd. That's a Wednesday night, and you can open your, your little cards. You're cordially invited. Anna did such a great job on these cards. Thank you, Anna. And Trish, and Trish helped to print them. This is a stamp. Can you believe this? Didn't they do a great job? Both of these are stamps. Isn't this fun? Then it was, it was Anna, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Anna sent me this text with a picture, and it was just like they just went on and on. <laughs> but um, inside is the invitation and all of the particulars, and it's daughters of the king. We're all daughters. If we're born, we're a daughter. And so 10 and up. So if you have daughters or nieces or nephews or granddaughters, 10 and up. We'd love to have you, but seating is limited, so there's a registration back there. 
Um, so please register. Um, and you and how many will be with you. And if you want more than one, if you want to take one to give a daughter-in-law or a, a, a friend or somebody like that, then please take another one. We have more right over here. And you can take one to, to, give, to give them um, and share that. So, uh, yeah, so go ahead and sign up. And if anybody is interested in hosting a table um, with your Christmas china or something that would go with the Christmas theme type thing, God bless you. Please, this really is a small group, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> we're so informal. <laughs> yes, yes. So anyhow, if anybody wants to host a table, I think there's still some slots for people to host a table. If you want to come and bring your, your Christmas china and a Christmas teapot and make the tables look really individual and pretty and fun. So um, that's Pardon? See Jan. Yes. Yeah. If I tell you to sign up for something and I don't give you a name, just assume... It's Jan. <laughs> well, our brains just, yeah. So anyhow. Yes. Yes. Oh. No. No. Well, then sign up. <laughs> Yeah, there's, there are 14 tables, and it's a ta table setting of eight, and I have some dishes. I'm not going to host a table because I can't really give the time I would like to like out last year, but I have some dishes. If somebody wants to host one, they can use my dishes, you know, so I'll put that out there. So, um, well, as, as long as there's room on the list, if there's room on the list, then let us know. You mean for doing a table or for coming? Oh, well, as, as, long as, there's, as long as there's room on the list. Um, so when it's full, it's full. So um, I don't know the timetable of that. So as soon as possible, to be safe. Yeah. Yeah, with, with mothers, daughters, and all of that. So anyhow. Um, and then another thing is, we're going to have a wonderful uh, a kind of a two-part skit during that. Uh, and Sharon Fuller, the Lord's just putting something on Sharon's heart, and she needs some actors for that. So if you have a heart for acting, yes? Oh, for after the tea. So you're set for the tea. Okay, so, that, so that makes it a tea set. Okay. <laughs> so after that, for some other... For some other ones that, uh, the other acts that kind of go along with it. So there's, there's multiple parts to this. We'll only get to see two. And then we'll continue on when we start Made to Shine next semester in January. So anyhow, um, gosh, I went way too long and I've lost our testimony. She's leaving. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> okay, one of the things, one of the verses before I, um, I pray here and then Amanda Bless her heart. She's, she's multitasking tonight. Um, Robin Fichet was going to share her testimony, but she's not feeling well, and neither is her son, so she's not able to be here. So I called Amanda, and she's gonna, she was going to do it next week. And um, so she was kind enough to do it tonight. Um, anyhow, I mean, it, it's your story, so it's yeah. not like you have to make it up, right? right, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and next week, Pam will be sharing. So thank you, Pam. Uh, 
One of the things before I pray, Ezekiel 44, 28 really struck my heart this week as we were reading through the PPJ. And um, Ezekiel, sometimes it's great and sometimes it's like all these numbers and things. And it's like, okay, Lord. I mean, we do a, a prayer D group on Wednesday morning and it's like, help, Holy Spirit, you know? <laughs> we know this is important because it's in your word, but can you help us? But this really struck my heart. The priest will not have any property or possessions of land for I alone and their special possession. Lord, we just open this up. We thank you for this time. We thank you for Amanda sharing her testimony that you, Lord, you are our prized possession. You are our special possession. You mean more to us than the precious things of this world, than even the people. But because we know you love us and we love you, we can love your people well. Mm-hmm. Lord, we open this up and we give you this night. And Holy Spirit, would you come and be with Amanda as she shares this testimony nugget? Be with us as we talk about your word and understanding your design. Be with us as we respond to your word and worship. Pray that you would be with each lady here. We tell the story to give you glory, Lord, Mm -hmm. and we need you. We desperately, we need you. So bless these ladies. They've come from their homes. They've Mm -hmm. put things aside. Would you minister to them and draw their hearts to you and bless them tonight Mm -hmm. in the sharing of a testimony of what you've done and the sharing of your word and in worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. Hi, I'm Amanda Steyer, and uh, thank you for letting me share just a nugget. I'm going to try to summarize about 10 years in three minutes. So um, I, I will just say this. I um, had a really tough many years at home before I moved out as a teenager. My parents were divided. There was a lot of fighting. They stayed together. Praise God. They have a redeemed marriage, which is awesome. But in the time that I was there, it was really hard. And when I left, I left going I want to do life my way with my freedoms. And so I moved two states away and started down that path of trying to have it all. A a half-hearted relationship with God, but also making decisions that were sinful um, and thinking I could do it all. And what that led to was isolation. And as I was thinking about sharing tonight, God showed me this theme um, that sin... um, can say to you, you can have it all. You can try to live in deceit. You can try to do what makes you feel good in the moment. And I got involved in a couple of different sin patterns that were almost addicting in my life. I couldn't get out from underneath them. And um, so the Lord was showing me as that relates what happened at each stage of me choosing myself and what my pleasures were for that season was that sin led me to hide Sin led me not to share my life with people, and sin led me not to find good friendships, good accountability, and a good church. I was going to a church of 10,000 members at the time, and I could go to church, and if I didn't, I sat in the second balcony so nobody knew I was there or not. So um, 
that was another thing God showed me is just because you show up um, doesn't mean you're doing life with people. doesn't mean you're investing in my plan for you. So I have three scriptures from Proverbs I want to share as it relates to this. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of a friend. And that's the thing that, um, the first thing that God showed me was that um, I got into trouble and I got stuck because I did not have those kind of friendships. Proverbs seventeen seventeen says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Um, in other words, um, having friends that are willing to push you, or that are willing to say, let's confess our sins, let's get healthier. That's what I needed. And so when... Um, I got married. God had incredible mercy on me, and he brought into my life healing and a greater understanding of who he was. In, in the place that I was at, it made sense. I grew, I healed, and then at each step of the way, he provided true, rich friends and true mentorship um, to walk with me down this journey of understanding what it meant to be a Christ follower. So I say I was saved at age six, but in a way, it was not till about 27 that I really said, I'm going to be serious about the Lord, and I finally have someone to walk with to do this. So we had moved to a church that was a small community church, and there was D groups and C groups kind of thing, and we started doing life with people that cared about us, invested in us, and um, that's when I really saw um, my life change. And then Proverbs 27, 9 says, Ointment and perfume delight the heart, and the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. So as it's, you know, come full circle, as God's done a huge work in my life, um, this is what he says to me now. Isaiah 62 says, um, 62 verse 2 says, And you will be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will designate. So he has really done a work on my shame and healing me and setting me free. And this is what he says. He says, you will no longer be set. You, you will no longer be called forsaken or desolate. I'm summarizing. But you will be called my delight is in you. So that's, that's how I feel about the Lord. Um, there's redemption in his name, um, but it does take um, being serious and being willing to be transparent and vulnerable with people that can really help you go farther. So on, in closing, James 5.16 says, Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. So thank God for that. Thank you. Gosh, isn't that neat? We all have these areas that we want to get past, and we want to areas of shame, areas that we deal with. If you're a human being, I've never met somebody that hasn't dealt with shame, that hasn't dealt with guilt. And if we don't have a community of people that we can trust, it's not going to blab it to everybody. We don't need to show up to church and we hear about our shame from somebody else. We need a group of people that we can share with and they will pray with us. And they will walk with us. And so thank you, Amanda, for sharing what God has done in your life. Last week we talked about saved in order to do good. From um, Titus 3. 1 to 8. And I love, just a, a real quick recap. Um, how many of you weren't here last week? Okay, you, you, okay, great. A recap would be good. Um, I thought, first I thought, did I say it wrong? 
who was here. <laughs> um, it's kind of evolving, you know, it's like, it's amazing because I know there's a bunch of ladies that aren't here tonight, so I'm glad somebody showed up. <laughs> Eight things we do from verses one and two, remind the people. This is one thing we do is to remind the people. Be subject to rulers and authorities. Be obedient. Be ready to do whatever is good. Slander no one. Be peaceable. Be considerate. And always be gentle towards everyone. That's just a recap of the first two verses. That's rich. And then verses 3 to 7 Remember, this is going to be three things from verses 3 to 7. And that is, the first one is remember who you were. And that's what it talks about in verse 3. And then four, who are you? Know who you are in Christ. And in verse 7, why? We need to know who we were. We need to know who we are in Christ. And we need to know why. So for this week, we're talking about practicing, participating in good. In Titus 3, 1 to 8, um, I'm reading from the Amplified, Brenda. <laughs> Brenda gets, she's trying to figure, she tries to figure out where I am. And so I'm trying to put at the front where I am so y'all aren't trying to figure out what translation I'm in. <laughs> This is a faithful and trustworthy saying. And concerning these things, I want you to speak with great confidence. That's why we need to remember who you were, remember who we were, know who we are. If we don't know who we are, how are we going to speak with confidence? And if we don't know why, how are we going to speak with confidence? So that those who have believed God, that is, those who have trusted in, relied on, and accepted Christ Jesus as Savior, will be careful to devote themselves. Now, that's not in the Amplified. That is what the NIV says. But I love that, to devote themselves, to participate in doing good and honorable things. These things are excellent in themselves and profitable for the people. But avoid foolish and ill Informed in stupid controversies and genealogies and dissensions and quarrels. Has anybody ever been in a stupid conversation? We need to avoid those. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's just, I mean, why? What, what's the point? Let's just, if we can't say something good, then let's just move on. If we can't change it, don't sit there and participate in it. Because I've had people... I, just because I've been in a conversation and I didn't say yay or nay, I've walked away and they thought I agreed. So if you stand there and don't say anything, then it's like you're agreeing. So are, what are we participating in? If we're standing somewhere, we're participating. Whether we're doing this or this, just standing here is participation. So... What are we participating in? That means where you are, where your feet go, and where you stand, that's what you're participating in. You're participating in good tonight. You're participating in learning God's word and connecting with his body and praying together and worshiping together. So, I didn't plan to say all that. Um, 
after a first and second warning, reject a divisive man who promotes heresy and causes dissension. And so we don't want to be that person, do we? And ban him from your fellowship and have nothing more to do with him. Well aware that such a person is twisted and is sinning. So whether we're pointing at somebody else and looking at their life or whether it's me that's doing that. This is sinning. He is convicted and self-condemned. And is gratified by causing confusion among believers. Gratified. They find gratification in causing dissension and causing division. It's pretty clear. You know, you think about it. There's few things that, um, that's, that's good for all. You know, the clothes that say one size fits all usually doesn't fit anybody well. I mean, we can get in it, and it covers us, but it doesn't always fit well. You know, one size fits all. Um, even the golden rule, do unto others you'd have them do unto me. Well, Denny would probably like getting a shotgun for Christmas. I wouldn't get so excited about it, you know. But the gift part is, is good. But here's one thing for sure, that it says to do good to all. To do good. And there's also another thing, and I was going to say this first, but chocolate is good for all. (laughs) Chocolate is good for all. Doing good is profitable for everyone. Okay, that's a one-size-fits-all. It's going to meet a need in everybody's heart. It's going to meet a need in everybody's life. I remember going down Preston Road in Dallas, Texas, and there was this, um, not, cl- not far from Prestonwood Mall. Anybody else from Dallas? Okay, Jan and I are, okay, here we go. Yeah. I was in high school, and I had just been filled with the Spirit. My life had been rocked, and I was driving down Preston Road, and there was this plot of land in the middle of this, all of this stuff there on the, on the east side of Preston, and on the... It'd be south of Prestonwood Mall. And this, there was this big house way back in the mix, back in some trees. And I had heard that there is a very wealthy old man. That he's a miser, and he lives back there. And when I was driving by there, I felt the Spirit of the Lord say, even he desires to be loved. Doing good to all. Even those who act like they don't care or they don't want it or they're pushing you away. We're to love them. We're to do good to them. It's, we're created in the image of God and everybody needs good done to them. I do. You do. We crave it. All ages. It doesn't matter. It's a one size fits all. We are citizens of light to shine in our homes and our communities. Do you ever think of yourself? You are a citizen of light. We are a citizen of heaven. And there is no sun in heaven. The sun does not shine in heaven. The first time I heard that, I thought, what? Jesus is the light. And Jesus is in you and me. We are citizens of light. This is where we live. We don't live in darkness. We don't live in causing divisions. We live in the light 
and we want to be those bearers of light. So it talks about being prepared to do good deeds. Are we prepared to do good deeds? Is it, is it more important to be a person of faith or a person of deeds? James talks about this, doesn't he? And if you think about it, it's like a hand in a glove. Um, the glove does nothing without the hand. And the hand, the hand needs the, the protection of the glove. My dad and I used to build barbed wire fences together on the farm. And if we didn't have gloves, it ceased. <laughs> we needed it. The hand and glove work together. Um, you know, if you think about it, if we're the glove and God is the hand, uh, I'm praying that it is God working in my life, that he is the hand that's in my glove, that it's not self and it's not Satan. But those are choices. Remember, we're turning away from one thing and turning towards another, something we've talked about. Um, so James two fourteen to 26, and this really kind of illustrates all of it. It's, a, it's kind of a long passage, but it really illustrates what we're talking about of good deeds. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, bless you, bless you, bless you, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by actions, is dead. So if you think of a glove and a hand working together, but someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the, the demons in hell believe that and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous? For what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. And see that you see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God. And it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do. And not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. We need them both. And this, I, I wanted to lay this foundation because the deeds we do come out of our trust in the Lord. If you think of faith and trust, it's our trust in the Lord. Whether it's Abraham or Rahab, they were both considered righteous because of their actions. And you know, there's parts of me that I really identify with Abraham. And there's parts of me that I really identify with Rahab. That rascal in me. Abraham had a rascal in him too. But we think of Abraham, the father of faith. And then we have Rahab, who's a prostitute. 
I can identify with both sides of that. Being the, the, the Christine who loves God and is going to conquer things, and then the one who I have fallen, and I, I have those areas of shame that the Lord has healed. There's both of those. And I love how God gives us the illustration of both. It's not just Abraham, but it's Abraham and Rahab. It's not just Rahab. Um, so some say body language is as high as 85% of the conversation, which means our words only account for about 15. I've heard less. I've heard more. It's kind of a, but I mean, if, if I sit here, you know how it is. Love ya. That's one thing. I love you. That's another. To have somebody speak with a red face and gritted teeth and in an angry tone to say, I love you. That would be mocking, wouldn't it? What are you hearing? You're hearing their body language. And my question is, what are we communicating through our words and our actions to others? This is the, the faith in the deeds Together, working together. Um, are we prepared to do the good deeds? And this thing of prepared, um, what does preparation look like? Is it that we carry a backpack that has goodies in it? For everywhere we go, we can hand out goodies? Well, that's, that's nice. I know some people that they have little care packets in their car that whenever they see somebody standing on the street corner, that they'll take one out and hand them to them. That's, that is a good deed. That's wonderful. But really, it goes back to motive. Because what if you're doing that to earn your way to heaven? You know, well, God will love me more if I do this. Um, Or what if it comes out of a heart? The true preparation comes out of our heart. And that has to start there first. God, God works, good works starts with loving God. That's where the good works start. Um, Forgiving ourselves. And others, if we can't forgive ourselves, then how are we going to forgive others? I still remember playing basketball in middle school, and I kept messing up and messing up. And I was so angry with myself. Out there on the basketball court, I still have the scar right here. I got so angry with myself, I scratched a hole in my skin to punish myself. I, was, I saw myself is bad. Robin, you've messed up. Get it together. That's that. So what does playing well make me better? Does that make me okay if I play well? Do you see the difference? The good works don't come out of perfection. They don't come out of God's going to love me more. or I'm a better person because I give somebody something or do something for somebody else. But it's out of my love relationship with God that we do the good works. That he loves you. Ladies, you are loved by God. You don't have to earn his love. You are loved. Not only is he our precious possession, but you are his prized possession. And when we come at good works from this place of being beloved by him, loved by him, then it becomes a joy. And it's not a weight. And it's not a a performance. It's out of the, the, the essence of our relationship with him. So that's where our preparedness starts, is with being loved by God and knowing that he forgives us. We don't have to beg for forgiveness. He forgave us when he hung on the cross. 
your sins were forgiven, but we need to acknowledge them so we can be free and cash in on the benefits that he's already given us. Mark 12, 31, 30 to 31 says, And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. This, the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. This is where preparedness starts. This is the core of who we are. We can have confidence in God and his word because as verse 8 says, this is a faithful and trustworthy saying and concerning these sayings, I want you to speak with great confidence. Confidence, the feeling or belief that one can rely on something, someone, someone or something. It's a firm trust. Can we rely on God? Yes. Can we rely on his word? Yes, this we can have a firm confidence in God and relying on his word. Um, trust, belief, faith, credence, conviction. These are things that we have because we can rely on the Lord. We can have that confidence. You can walk with confidence, ladies. You don't need to walk with your head down. You can walk with your shoulders back, not proud in a selfish way, but knowing that you are a daughter of the king, knowing that you are loved, knowing that you are forgiven. So I encourage you, receive what he has died to give you and walk in it. Walk in the confidence of who God is and who he's created you to be. Out of that, we can do good works. We can do good deeds, not trying to get something, but in order to give something. Um, the anonym to confidence uncertainty and doubt if we doubt God's faithfulness if we doubt the validity of God's word then we will not be able to walk in confidence And then verse 8 says, to devote themselves to doing what is good. So to devote, when we're devoted to something, we're turning towards this. And devote is a verb. Give all or a large part of one's time or resources to a person, activity, or a cause. And I loved what it said in there. You know, it gives examples. It says, I wanted to devote more time to my family. Isn't that beautiful? That that even gave the example. I wanted to devote more time to my family. And um, I think y'all know the mission field that God's called me to is the home. I think the home is overlooked. God gave us the home before he gave us the church. It's out of the home that the church receives the fabric of who the church is. We need to be diligent at home. We need to be devoted to the Lord and devoted to the things at home. And out of that, we will see good deeds flow. Good works follow from that. In the late six, the origin of devote in the late 16th century, in the sense dedicate formally to consecrate. And from the Latin, I thought this was interesting. Devote, consecrated from the verb Devo vive from, so you have 
D, formally, and vovari, to vow. So what have we formally given a vow to? So when we come up to things, we come up to circumstances and situations. I mean, if an illustration that just came to my mind was, you know, I have formally given my vow to my husband. So therefore, other men aren't attractive, aren't interest. I have given a vow to my husband, to Denny. We've given a vow to the Lord. When we receive Christ, we've given a vow to the Lord. So that means there's things that are off the table. Are we taking those things off the table that would, that would come between our vow with the Lord? Titus 3, 9. So those are things we turn towards. These are some things that we turn away from. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless. I get a kick out of genealogies. You know, I mean, they're really neat. They're absolutely great. Um, you know, I think it's great to know the history of our families. It's great to honor our parents and our forefathers. Um, you know, I was thinking about it. I thought, okay, um, I'm related to Ruth, the grandfather, the grandmother of David. I'm related, related to Pocahontas. I'm related to Rolf, you know. And, but who knows the other hoodlums that might be in there? I mean, we tout the ones that, you know, that, that are great. But I'm sure there's hoodlums in there. You know what I'm saying? But where is our identity? Is my identity in this? Is my identity in these people that I know of? I didn't know Ruth. I didn't know Pocahontas. I didn't know Thomas Roth. And I didn't know all those other people that I probably wouldn't want to claim. Some I would, some I wouldn't. But I think genealogies are great. I think we need to know our history. But where do we find our identity, ladies? That's, God's not saying don't know where you came from. He's saying, don't find your identity in that. Find your identity in me, in Christ. That's where we find our identity. Um, God is coaching us on the importance of finding our identity in Christ. Not all our ancestors. You know, um, if you think about it, all of our ancestors needed Jesus too. So to hold them up to something that... that we need to focus on the Lord. Those are all fine and good, but let's focus on the Lord. What are foolish controversies? Barclay's Daily Study Bible says, Titus, in, talking about Titus 3, 9 to 11, says, Warn against useless discussions. The Greek philosophers spent their time on their fine-spun problems. The Jewish rabbis spent their time building up imaginary genealogies for the characters of the Old Testament. The Jewish scribes spent endless hours discussing what could and could not be done on the Sabbath. And what was, what was and was not unclean. It has been said that there is a danger that a man may think himself religious because he discusses religious questions. It is much easier to discuss theological questions than to be kind and considerate and helpful at home. Isn't that true? It's so easy to sit and 
what is it? Pontificate. Thank you. Ding, ding, ding. You win the prize. Pontificate about all of these religious things and all these things that the Bible says. But to be kind to our teenage son that we're challenged with. To be kind to our husband that doesn't seem to know where the laundry basket is. Or to, to be kind to the neighbor who their dog keeps potting in our yard. To be kind. I mean, our, we have a neighbor that has this huge mammoth tree. And it stinks in the springtime. And all the leaves fall in our yard in the fall. And the roots, it keeps coming up in our yard everywhere. I, I go through a thing of forgiveness every time. I, I do. I mean, it sounds silly, you know. So, but it's these kind of things um, that are the everyday life. There is a virtue in sitting, discussing deep theological questions when the simple task of the Christian life, of the tasks of the Christian life are waiting to be done. To be blogging, to be a young mom or to be, any, to, to be a woman blogging about Christian things even. And the house is in disarray and the children are in need. Put the blogging aside. Bring order to your home. I'm not saying perfection. I'm not talking about it has to be perfect, but we need order, ladies. We need order in our homes and we need to put our priorities where God puts his priorities. Um, the simple tasks of the Christian life are waiting to be done. Such discussion can be nothing other than an evasion of Christian duties. It might be easier to sit and write a great blog. But what about the stack of dirty dishes in the, in the kitchen sink? Sometimes it's harder to conquer that than other things. Paul was certain that the real task of the Christian lay in Christian action. That is not to say that there is no place for Christian discussion. But the discussion which does not end in action is very largely wasted time. And you know what? You might lose $100. You can get that $100 back. But when you waste time... You don't get time back. You have 24 hours in a day and you will never get a second of it back. Use your time wisely. So many of us are so busy budgeting our grocery budget. But what about our time? And budgeting our time in the fear of the Lord. And using our time in ways that are helpful and doing good. This goes back to verse 1 and 2. Be subject to rulers and authorities. We may not agree with what those in authority, with those in authority, but we can have an attitude of honor towards them. Even if their rulings are not biblical, we can honorably disagree and decline. And we may come in, be coming into a time of that. I don't know when that will be, but there will be a time when it comes to that. And we need to do good. We need to keep our attitudes as unto the Lord. The message spells, um, spells verse 10 and 11 out very plainly. It says, warn a quarrelsome person once or twice, but then be done with him. It's obvious that such a person is out of line, rebellious against God. By persisting in divisiveness, divisiveness he cuts himself off. He 
cuts himself off. How many people does God send to hell? How many people choose to go to hell? He died that none should perish. When somebody continues, when I continue in my willful ways, in my sinful ways, I am choosing to separate myself from God. And if, if they are not submitted to authority, and if they are bent and finding, they're finding pleasure in bringing divisiveness and getting people off and taking them out from under authority... We can do good deeds. We can bless them. It doesn't mean that we have to be hateful to them. Cutting them off doesn't mean, you creep, get out of here. We can do good. We can be kind, but we need to have life-giving boundaries for their own good. Or else we enable in what happens. It's just like, have you ever been to a restaurant? And they, your, your server comes and, and takes your thing and they're like, Hush-yo! And they're taking and then they bring your food and they're handling your cup and they're you don't want to get infected, do you? That's what happens when we don't have these life-giving boundaries with people. If they're coming, I would tell my kids, I'm not gonna allow you to do the have these certain attitudes in our home any more than I would let a thief come through the front door or a murderer come through the front door and harm you. We have to protect the flock. And we don't want to enable those who are wanting to plunder the flock. So that's why God's not trying to be mean to this person. God is trying to protect the flock. And sometimes those are hard verses to to wade into. But Barclay says, It is Paul's advice that the contentious and opinionative man should be avoided. The King James Version calls him the heretic. The Greek is heretikos. The verb herein means to choose. He is choosing his way. Just like when we choose not to obey God, we choose not to repent of our sins, we choose not to obey God, then we are choosing to open ourselves up to the enemy. I'm sorry, I'm making it really hard for you, aren't I? (laughs) Um, So... A party or a school or a sect, they're choosing, they're choosing their sect. They're choosing their party that they're going to align with. We're going to have elections coming up. People's phones are going to blow up trying to get you to vote for this person or not to vote for that person. And you're going to have to choose what you're going to do. That's what we're doing every day. We're choosing what party we're aligning with. Are we going to align with God? Are we going to align with Satan? It's really one or the other. If you align with the culture, if you align with self, we align with God. Um, Divisive, tending to cause disagreement or hostility between people. A divisive person often carries the spirit of being a victim, the attitude of being a victim. Their emotions are tied to what others do. Do you know why their emotions are so tied to what others do? Because they desperately want to control what others do because what you do affects me. What is it? I've, I've heard it said, um, how does it go? A victim says that 
if you weren't the way you are, then I wouldn't be the way I am. Because you are the way you are, I am the way I am. And it's this vicious cycle. So a person with a victim mentality wants to control everything around them because what you do totally affects. If I'm a victim, what you do totally affects my attitude. I'm not responsible for my own attitude. You are. So they try to control everything around them. Um, when we connect the train of when we connect the train of life to God through Christ, we are no longer a victim to what everyone else does or does not do. So we're con- we connect ourselves with God. We're no longer victim. God is our source. That's why the beautiful thing of walking in the fear of the Lord. Then we don't walk in the fear of man. Um, you know, Paul is coaching Titus on how to grow a strong church. To have a strong church, marriage, family, home, and community, we cannot tolerate the attitude of one who causes disagreements and hostility between people. These negative attributes of being controversial, argumentative, quarrelsome, and divisive are unprofitable to all, it says. Where on the flip side, choosing to do good is beneficial to all. Um, Verse 11 says, they are self-condemned, they, are, they cut themselves off. This is because they continue to choose that which is unprofitable and useless. They do not have an attitude of repentance or changing their minds towards submission to authority. They usually have a disdain for any authority that would instruct them in any way they do not like. So as women, are we... We are to wisely cultivate a gentle and quiet spirit that promotes connection with those in our family and community, demonstrating honor and respect for authority. This is what promotes connectedness in our homes. It promotes connectedness in our communities and our churches. Um, Why did Jesus come to earth? There's his entrance. (laughs) He came. Many people would say he came to pay the price for my sin. That he did come for. But first he came. He came out of obedience to the father. Do you see the difference? He came when you, when we, he modeled. He modeled verse, um, 3.1 3.1 says, remind, he modeled verse 1 really well about submitting to people and subjects and rulers and authorities and being obedient. That's what he did to the, with his father first. That's why he came. And in obedience to the father, he fulfilled his purpose. He didn't come to fulfill his purpose. He came in obedience to the father. And in obedience to the father, he fulfilled his purpose. Do you see where that's going? It's not just the good deeds. It's submitting to the Father and obeying the Father. What we do, we do out of love for the Father. And that keeps us from having a victim mentality. Jesus didn't come as a victim. Oh, bother. I've got to go to earth and set these sinners free. Ah. But if we're doing a victim mentality in that, 
I do the laundry. I gotta fix dinner. I gotta go shopping. What's a piece of me? Isn't that what it comes to? It's this victim. Ah, the same dishes again. I wash into the eye. The same laundry. I'm washing again. Ah, when will I ever be free from this? I mean, this is a victim mentality. Other than thank God I have dishes. Thank God I have people to feed. Thank God I have a washer and a dryer. That there's clothes to wash. That there's food to be prepared. That there's funds to go buy the food. It's, it's a way of seeing. Jesus was able to serve wholeheartedly as if... It says um, in Ephesians... Let's see. If in Ephesians 6, 7. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. So in your homes, ladies. In your marriage. Serve the Lord wholeheartedly in your marriage. Serve the Lord wholeheartedly with your children. Serve the Lord wholeheartedly at work. Because then you're not a victim to your children. You're not a victim to your husband. You're not a victim to your boss. Because you're serving the Lord. That will set you free. And it gives purpose. What you do, you do out of obedience to the Father. And then Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Jesus put God first, not us. And as we put God first, we will be able to bless others out of a pure heart. Keeping God first keeps our heart clean. Of these negative attributes of being controversial, argumentative, quarrelsome, and divisive, which are unprofitable. So when we're feeling argumentative, we're feeling quarrelsome, we're feeling um, controversial or divisive, it's unprofitable. It's not good for anybody. From Titus 3, 3 to 7, remember... Who you were before Christ. Know who you are in Christ and why. These are fundamental important things that we need to have um, settled in our heart. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You know, I think we need to release the old things. But sometimes we find our identity in our past. Rather than finding our identity in who God has created us to be, right? Um, I think of, I don't know how many times I've thought of the movie Inside Out. You know, the sadness, you know. You know. We drag our past along with us, you know. We just drag it along with us and it weighs us down and it's a bummer. And that's not what defines us. We are who God's. We're a new creature. Let's embrace that, that new belovedness in Christ. In order to do the good God is calling us to do, we must be in Christ, knowing we are loved by Christ and loving Christ with our whole heart and energies. Um, how people act toward me is between me and God how I act toward others is between God and me 
how people act toward me is between them and God. How I act toward others is between God and me. How we treat others and respond to them is between God and us. How are we treating others? It's not about the other person and what they're doing. And I know I deal with this as much as anybody else, that when somebody's mean to me, I want to be mean back. When somebody's rude to me, I want to be rude back. But the flesh burner in it is when we die to ourselves and we're kind to those who despitefully use us. As Jesus so beautifully modeled these principles in the Ephesians 6 and the Colossians 3 that we talked about, what we do, we do is under the Lord, not man. This keeps our focus on the Lord. Just as Jesus was not focused on the cross, he looked beyond the cross for the joy set before him. So what's on the other side of the dishes? What's on the other side of the things that I may not care for about um, my husband or my children? Or what are we looking on the other side to redemption? It was... The joy set before Jesus that he endured the cross. He looked at obeying his father in redemption. Some of us are in challenging situations. I know I'm walking in a challenging situation last night. Jen and I were talking about it yesterday. And it just made me think. My focus is not on the circumstance. My focus is on what God is working on and what God is doing. That is where we we need to look beyond and not get sucked into the negativity of what's going on in the circumstances. But look beyond. That's what Jesus did in obedience to the Father. That's where we find victory too. There is a poem, um, and I meant to have copies here for everybody. But if you want it, uh, you can... Email me and I'll just email it to you. Or we'll just email it out to everybody. We'll just, we'll just email it out to everybody. Pardon? Oh, we'll just email it out. That's okay. Oh, yeah, there you go. Great. Great. Well, there's, there's a website. There's a, shine, there's a Shine website. There's Shine website. Yeah. Shine at the road. Dot at uh, dot webs dot com. Yeah, good. Okay, this is by Mother Teresa, and says, "Do it anyway." This was found written on the wall of Mother Teresa's home for children in Calcutta. People are often unreasonable, irrational, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of selfishness, ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you will win some unfaithful friends and some genuine enemies. Be successful anyway. If you are honest and sincere, people may deceive you. Be honest and sincere anyway. What you spend years creating, others could destroy overnight. Create anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, some may be jealous. 
be happy anyway. The good you do today will often be forgotten. Do good anyway. Give the best you have and it will never be enough. Give your best anyway. In the final analysis, it is between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. What we do, we do is under the Lord. 1 Peter 2.12 in the Amplified says, Keep your behavior excellent among the unsaved Gentiles. Conduct yourself honorably with graciousness and integrity. So that for whatever reason they may slander you as evildoers, yet by observing your good deeds, they may instead come to glorify God in the day of visitation when he looks upon them with mercy. Lord, as we hear, as we heard last week, the convicting story of Simmerman observed. Y'all remember the story? Maybe we should put that on the page too. The story of Jokov and Simmerman. It's a beautiful story. Would you please help us to wear your coat well, Father? In the final analysis, it is between you and us, God. Not between you, us, and them. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us to do the good deeds with a pure heart of giving your love, not trying to get your love. Help us, Lord, to lay our lives down, to do what we do out of a heart of thanksgiving, out of not being a victim but being a victor in Christ, that what we do, we do is unto you. Lord, I pray as they gather in their D groups here that you administer their hearts. Um, yeah, as we worship, Father, that you would um, bless our hearts during this time, that you would minister to us, that you would flow through Amanda and Christy and, uh, and really draw us into your presence by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.